It's the Daddy Cast Rewind, episode 21. We're going back to 2006, early May, for the Daddy Cast episode 21. And we'll get right into that right after this. Who knows how to fix it? Who can do it? It's Daddy. Who's got his own podcast? Who's talking? It's Daddy. Just wanting to learn more about the crazy world of fatherhood. You're in good company here at the Daddy Cast. Daddy, turn off the radio. There's nothing playing anyway, don't you know? Daddy, turn it up. Testing one, two, three. Welcome to the world of the Daddy Cast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Daddy Cast Rewind. It is February 25th, 2021, and this is episode 21, so a lot of 21s in there. One thing that uh, I found funny in listening to the the episode back in 2006, the original episode, um, we I mentioned that our mornings were starting off around 5.45. So 5.45 a.m., the boys were getting up, and it, it, I actually mentioned it was a struggle getting them to sleep into that point. Now, now that they're in college, we struggle to get my oldest to join us on a, a FaceTime call, our weekly FaceTime, by 11. So uh, times have definitely changed. And you know when kids get older, they sleep in later, and it's uh, part of their chemistry and all that stuff. But it's just kind of funny. I just, now I struggle to get up that early. And uh, back then they were up and at them. They were ready to go. And, and I remember that a little bit. They were bouncing off the walls by six o'clock in the morning and it made for a lot of uh, chaotic mornings. But um, yeah, so back then, uh, as I mentioned in the last show, uh, my oldest was transitioning out of uh, preschool, getting ready to go to kindergarten, and they were going into summer camp, which was a kind of a special program they had for the kids that were in that position. And he, um, I mentioned in that uh, show that they had taken the the teacher's break room at his daycare because they were doing some construction, and his summer camp was kind of hanging out in the break room. And they took a very a very strong liking to the drink machine. So much so that they built their own drink machine, a mock drink machine out of cardboard. And then he came home and wanted to build one at home. So there was a lot of uh, fascination with the snack and drink machines back then. I also mentioned that the boys liked to go to sporting events to watch their mother play soccer or watch me play volleyball. Not so much to watch us, but because they knew the places that we played had snack bars and concessions and, and all that stuff. So they, they liked the food. They went for the food. Also at that time, my oh, my youngest was moving classes. He moved from one class to another, had a, a different teacher, and the teacher that he had after the move was a, a little more strict, a little more structured, worked out a lot better for him uh, in the class he was in prior to that. And I think I mentioned this, there were a few different kids that had uh, some special needs, needed a little extra attention. And um, it was causing him, I think, to kind of, carry on and be a little more chaotic. Uh, and once he moved to the new class, we noticed a big difference even at home that he was just a little more calm, a little more reserved, a little more in control. And uh, we, we credit that to the teacher and the way that class was functioning. 
but um, it was it was good. You know, he was able to focus a little more, and I think just you know not being in this constantly chaotic environment, uh, he was able to to perform a little better. Also, uh, <laughs> this is all about going back to that show uh, from Fatherville.com. I pulled a, a, up some information and basically it was about telling stories to your kids. It was about how your kids kind of like to hear stories about when you were a kid. And uh, I know our kids, our boys were always asking about stories about what did you do when you were little and that kind of stuff. And they had that curiosity. I think sometimes they use it to kind of compare themselves to what you were doing and, and how things were. And when they're really young, they, they really don't understand how different things were when we were younger, we being us parents. Um, before the internet, before uh, a lot of this stuff, uh, no Facebook and all that fun stuff. But yeah, I remember back then as they were getting older, not necessarily when they were you know, four and five, um, telling stories about college t- years uh, was was kind of frowned upon. My, my wife did not like me sharing some of those stories when they were younger. Nowadays, it's okay because they're in college. I can share and, and tell them to you know behave because I know better. I know what goes on uh, or at least practice good, uh, good thinking skills. Uh, just recently, we had a discussion and talked about drinking and drugs and those types of things. It's never, you know, they never get too old to kind of hear about those things. But I uh, was listening to a podcast and there was a, a, a news host whose son passed away from a drug overdose and just made me think to, to remind the boys, I, I know you're good, I know you behave, but just uh, steer clear stuff you don't know much about. Anyway, I won't go in, we'll get on the, the soapbox on that right now. But yeah, telling stories. Uh, again, telling stories of, of some of the wilder things, I was uh, asked not to share those when they were little, but you definitely want to share some stories of, of you know, memories of you you've had with your parents or with your grandparents or just memories from when you were a kid, uh, as they grow up and as those become appropriate for their age, it's nice to share some things. And I think they, at least ours, definitely listen to that. They, they want to pay attention to it. They want to learn what it was like when you were a kid. And, uh, it, it helps to form some of their, uh, thinking and patterns and, and things that they will do. Granted, as they get older, they'll want to do the exact opposite of what you did, but, that's the teenage years and you got to prepare for those teenage years. Another thing uh, as a transition, another thing that I talked about in that show, it was about building bonds and really building bonds with them when they're young, uh, showing affection, showing genuine affection. If you, you know, you love your kids, don't be ashamed to tell them, don't be ashamed to show them, make sure they understand that. And, uh, it's definitely going to help to have that bond with them when they're young so that when they become teenagers and they start to change a little bit, that, uh, you know, you have that bond, you have that to rely on, and you have a close uh, connection with them. Honestly, as they get older, they start to become not just your kids, but your friends. And you hope that continues to, to go on throughout the rest of their life. But uh, yeah, building those bonds when they're young and, and making sure they understand that you care about them and, and those types of things are, are really important. And uh, as I stated back in that show, you got to make sure it's genuine. You know, just fluff is not going to do anything. Uh, surprise them every once in a while. It doesn't have to always be in the context of the moment. You can surprise them with, uh, hey, you did a great job on such and such, just out of the blue. And uh, yeah, it, it doesn't hurt to, to kind of uh, dote on them a little bit and, and to, to help them understand the good things that they're doing. Um, again, just out of the blue is a good way to do it. 
yet another thing. I'm going to play a clip here, and this is from Fatherhood at a uh, Fatherhood at <laughs> Fatherhood on the about.com site. I'll say that butcher that uh, in the clip, but uh, going to play this and take a listen to it. It's really focused on having teenagers, so kind of what we we're just talking about. And um, I'll be back to shed some light on what we are like uh, 14 years later, 15 years later from that. So uh, let's see, fatherhoodabout.com, Wayne Parker, fatherhood.about.com. Talk about dads with teens, and this is something I can't relate to yet, but uh, I'll have to keep these for when I do in another, uh, let's see, what would be another eight years? Uh, Dads with teens, what teens want their fathers, or you can even read parents, to understand. And one of the things is that they're not a child anymore. And, you know, they're they're ready to be an adult, but they're kind of scared of being an adult. So they're kind of in that in-between. Also, friends are becoming more important. And we've talked about this before, that if there's any way to stress to a child that family is more important than friends, then these are the years that it's probably going to pay off. Also, they're going to question a lot of new things. I mean, things that they just accepted before, they're going to start questioning. Uh, Hormones and their bodies are doing weird things. So things are changing. There's a lot of chemistry going on there. Also, they hate, quote, the look. So they're, they're going to be possibly questioning. One of the things they'll question is just standardization. You know, everyone's got to have the look. Well, they may question that. They may do something a little different. Uh, sometimes they just need to be alone. Also, sometimes they want you to listen. So don't talk to them, just listen. Can't listen and talk at the same time. They need you to be consistent and to walk your talk. And I think those are two things that apply not just to teens, but to dealing with children at any age is be consistent and mean what you say, say what you mean. And that's kind of a a motto, I guess, that I try to apply to everybody, whether it's children or uh, business acquaintances or, or whatever, you know, do what you say, say what you mean. But anyway, so there's some tips on dads with teens. If there's some dads with teens out there that Wayne Parker gives, you can go over to fatherhood.about.com and read a little more details about those. All right. So the advice about teenagers, uh, one of the things was, uh, don't, they don't want to be treated like a child. And I think we've talked before. And when I interviewed the boys, we, we never really treated them like they were children. We, we always kind of try to converse with them and treat them like they were older than they were. Not that they were not children, but at least to, to give them a little respect and not the kind of respect where you want them to make decisions for you, but at least make them think they had a voice in things and to, to talk to them and try to explain to them and converse with them on a logical level. Uh, I think that's, definitely has been very important. And we've talked about the importance of dinners and conversation, but having them feel like they're not being treated like a baby and uh, that they're, what they're saying matters and that they they can be a part of the conversation has always been important. Also, uh, yeah, they always wanted to do more with friends as they got older. And we kind of became the house where the kids hung out a lot and there were a couple houses that way. But uh, yeah, with my youngest in particular, it wasn't uncommon for a Friday or Saturday night for him to have 10 friends over and uh, all of them to have their gaming system set up across our, our downstairs. The one rule they would set up all over the place in the kitchen, in the, in the family room. But uh, the one rule was don't block the coffee maker because when they crashed and were spread out all over the floor and all their stuff was sitting all over the place, the next morning I wanted my coffee. So that was the one rule that we had. Um, 
But yeah, and that was all pre-COVID, of course. Now you can't have 10 people together. But uh, yeah, you know, they always want to do thing, more things with their friends. And that does create a little bit of distancing as they get older, as they become teenagers. They start to sway. But as I mentioned in, the, in that clip, uh, making sure they understand that family comes first. So if there's ever... Uh, something that happens where they got to get pulled into the family side of things. Uh, our boys learn not to complain, not to, I mean, that's the way it is. Family comes first. Uh, I mentioned that they question things and that actually evolves into them actually having an opinion and expressing that opinion at times. Uh, sometimes it's even talking back, but we've always tried to keep a, a fairly open mind and let them voice their opinion. Uh, we may disagree with it and we may squash their opinion at times, but at least to let them express their opinion, express how they feel about something, question things, try to give them a legitimate answer, uh, look up an answer on the internet if we didn't know it. But, uh, you know, for, for just general things, uh, try to help them formulate their own opinion. And um, the, the talking back piece of it generally is not uh, that bad. And when it has gotten bad, they are very quickly brought into uh, the ranks and to understand kind of where their, their place is. Um, sometimes they just want to be alone. And my, my oldest uh, started to, he just liked to go into his room, watch uh, some movies on his iPad or do things like that. As he got into the last couple years of, of high school, um, you know, he had a girlfriend, so he was away with her at different times. So, but yeah, at home, sometimes they just want to be alone Generally, my youngest enjoyed kind of watching TV or, or playing video games or doing stuff that we had down in the, the main area of the house. So he didn't really go off on his own very often in his room or anything like that. But my oldest did. And that's fine. Yeah, Again, with our the way we were structured and, and still are when they're home, uh, you're expected to come to dinner. You're expected to sit by the table or at the table and and participate in the conversation. So we... we emphasize the togetherness, but also respect that they want some alone time. I mentioned that also that they just want you to listen sometimes. And I think that's true in any relationship. There are times when just being someone to listen and not talk, not share your opinion, not uh, try to sway the conversation in a certain direction, just listen. And uh, that's important as a parent, as much as you want to direct and and help and, and do all these things, sometimes just listening is what it takes. And then the last piece of that was to be consistent, to you know walk the talk, to do as you say. That's important in all walks of life, and especially with the kids. You don't want to say one thing and do another. Um, you don't want to you know, be a hypocrite, and it doesn't take much of a hypocrisy for for them to lose faith in you. So you need to to do do what you say, and uh, make sure you hold fast to those values. So. Good stuff with teenagers back then. Having teenagers was way off in the future. Now it's uh, in the the recent past. But uh, a lot of that advice uh, ended up being pretty sound and and stuff that we kind of fell into. So uh, definitely is something that um, makes sense. So listen to it. Uh, Again, it's on fatherhood.about.com. I don't know if that site's still up. I'll have to go check it out. But good stuff. I am going to try something new, and uh, we'll see how this works. I am going to try to play a clip and pause it and and talk over it while it's playing. So this is going to be a clip from that show, and we'll we'll see how this works. (laughs) It's it's a test, but um, 
I'm gonna pause this right now and then we'll, we'll be right back to go into that clip. All right, so here goes nothing. We're going to try to cue this up. And so you're gonna hear me from back then and hear me from now. Hopefully it sounds a little different. So over on that site that caught my eye and so that's me. I don't really <laughs> wanna call this a rant, but there are some things I disagree with this. This is from an article by Don Fry. It's called No is Not for Children. Uh, and basically this talks about um, how it, well, she states that the a lot of the increase in violence by children can be attributed to an author, authoritarian, that's right, authoritarian behaviors. And uh, so she says, quote, what are author, authoritarian behaviors? I could not the, say the word authoritarian to save my life. What are authoritarian behaviors? They're behaviors that manipulate and control through pain and humiliation. They include blaming, shaming, preaching, moralizing, accusing, ridiculing, belittling, evaluating, labeling, threatening, judging, and punishing. These behaviors disrespect children's rights and discourage children, resulting in not only a loss of courage, but also a lot of dignity and self-respect. All right, so I'm going to pause right there. So I'm not, and, and as I will get into this, I, I'm, I'm trying not to repeat the same thing over and over again. I can predict what I'm going to say, but, uh, yeah, disrespecting your kids. I'm not sure it's, it's really, whoop, there's the dog. Um, I'm not sure disrespecting your kids should be your biggest concern, <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, demoralizing them, that kind of thing. I mean, as a parent, as an authoritarian, uh, you have to guide, you have to direct, you have to have their respect. And, uh, sometimes it, it's really helpful for them. I, I think not to compare kids to dogs, but I think back when I took my beagle, I got a beagle right out of college, took him to obedience school, which was a complete waste of money. Don't take a beagle to obedience school. But one of the first things the instructor mentioned was why, why do you want a dog that is obedient? And one of the examples that she used was if your dog is across the street, and there's traffic coming, you want to be able to tell your dog to stay where it is so that it doesn't walk across the street and end up being struck by the car. So there are things like that, I think, in parenting. There are things you want to be able to tell your kid. You want them to just follow what you say for their own safety, for their own good, but uh, worrying about being an authoritarian and hurting their feelings is not something that I feel should be a concern, but I will probably get into that here in just a minute. All right. Well, talking about punishing, how that demoralizes the children, that this makes me think back to the whole schools thing where they, you've heard, I don't know if you've heard the debate. I used to listen to a lot of public radio when I worked on a job where I drove a lot. And, uh, they talked a lot about you know, the self-esteem of a child and how important that was and how grades and, and things like sports, you know, they, they hurt the self-esteem of children. And I mean, life isn't fair. I mean, I think that's a general rule. And you can't expect someone to go through their entire life and have things handed to them so that it doesn't demoralize them. It's There are going to be times when you feel bad because you haven't done your best or because your best wasn't good enough. I mean, there are just times that you're going to be down and... A, a child, I feel, these are all my opinions, and again, I'm no perfect role model or perfect father or anything. I'm just winging it. But in my view... Still winging it. You know, 
there's the children need to learn this early that there are going to be disappointments in life. And so I'm going to pause it right there. So a a prime example of this um, sports. Uh, our kids are involved in sports uh, all through their lives, and there were a lot of times when there were games they lost, when there were uh, times they didn't get as much playing time as they thought they should, or felt like they got a fair shake. Honestly, with my youngest uh, in middle school, he tried out for the soccer team. Uh, both his sixth and seventh grade years, he didn't make the team. And he felt, he actually said that he thought his sixth grade year he shouldn't make it. But he felt like the seventh grade year he should have. And uh, he made it eighth grade. He was a starter and he, he's been, you know, played on the school teams and club teams ever since then. Uh, pretty much wherever he tried out, he made the team. There was, it was always very stressful. Uh, when he would try out for a club team, is he going to make it? I mean, you know, it, it, it was always stressful. And the reason being, because you didn't want them to have that disappointment. But some of that disappointment really kind of molded him into the the, the man he has, he has become. Uh, part of that disappointment is what drove him to be better. Uh, instead of just sulking because he didn't make the team, he wanted to practice more. We uh, signed up for training classes, uh, you know, different things that kind of drove him to the point that when it came to make the high school team and he made the team, uh, some of his friends that didn't, I, I, one of the dads <laughs> said right in front of me, well, Josh made the team because he's been working so hard. So, you know, I think sometimes you can use that, that disappointment or, Hey, I didn't quite make it my best wasn't good enough, or I didn't get a fair shake, or whatever the reason is. Don't make excuses, but you can use that to kind of drive to be better. And again, I think that's what he has done over the years, and I think that has really helped him. Uh, you know, he didn't get into UVA, so he applied early decision to UVA, didn't get in early decision, and withdrew his application. He <laughs> kind of got mad because uh, they didn't take him early decision, and a couple of his friends made in early decision. But, uh, that didn't stop him. Uh, he applied to other places. He got into other places, got into a great school. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's yeah, learning that perseverance has been important. And I think sports is a prime example of where the boys have picked that up. My oldest played volleyball, but didn't always get a lot of playing time and took it. I mean, he, he had fun on the bench. You know, he, he had fun with just being part of the team and, and definitely made the most of his experience. But uh, you, you don't always get to start. You don't always get to, to be, you know, the, the, the prime player. And, uh, so yeah, uh, again, if they never have that discouragement, if you are going to just have the, Hey, everybody gets a participation award that, that just doesn't mold their, their drive and their, their character, the way having disappointment every once in a while does. And in life, they're not going to get every job they apply for. They're not going to get every raise that they want. They're not going to get every promotion they want. You've got to learn to to take the disappointment and build on it. But all right, I'll hop off my soapbox because I'm probably going to say a lot of the same stuff from 14 years ago, but here we'll get back to that. Send me comments on what you think. You can send them to daddycast at gmail.com, thedaddycast at gmail.com. You can post them on the website, thedaddycast.com. Or call them in on the hotline, 206-222-1905. I don't have the hotline so anymore, by the way. Let's get this article a little more. She, she, yeah. <laughs> she this is uh, Dawn Fry, suggests a change in child care practices. Number one is equality and order. 
She says, quote, discipline, meaning the development of responsibility, self-control, and order kept, not aggressive behaviors like blaming, yelling, or hitting. Why? I, you know, I agree with that. You, you should not yell at your child or hit your child or anything as a, a measure to correct them. Uh, if you can do things in a calm, orderly fashion, if you can try to work with them. Now, I've, I've talked before about the, the book, One, Two, Three Magic, and they talk about how you can't treat a child like an adult. You can't reason with a child. Now, there are some children, and, and actually um, George Smith, who is a fellow podcaster on the PCN and uh, the Podcaster News Network, you know, he stated that he disagrees with that. He, he thinks you can reason with a child, and, and there are different children that react differently. I agree with that. Um, so I, I will go on to expand on that. And as I just talked about, uh, talking to our boys, uh, not like they were babies. Uh, you know, it's not, they, they, when they're teenagers especially, they don't want to be talked to like children. And uh, as I've emphasized many times, we, we always have tried to converse with them at a higher level. And so, yeah, I mean, that's, you can, you know, you can have a logical conversation with a child. Um, and you can, you know, if it doesn't work, then you may have to go to another measure, but at least try it. Don't, don't just go immediately to, uh, this fairness doctrine that, uh, you know, they can do whatever they want to because you don't want to hurt their feelings. You can, you can reason with a child. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit, I think, in this about my oldest five-year-old, I can sit down and reason with my five-year-old. Even when he was younger, we could do that. He's a very even-keeled um, personality. Now, my almost four-year-old is, there is no even. There is either wildly upbeat or wildly downbeat. I mean, he's just extremes and very hard to reason with. With him, you, you need to do something to get his attention. And and he has evened out a lot. So he was uh, back when he was a kid. It was very much extremes, but uh, now he is very well rounded. Punishment is usually the way to get his attention if he's doing something wrong. Um, you know, we we try threats, but we try to keep away from threats because threats don't accomplish anything. You need to do something right then. Something needs to happen, whether it's timeout or taking something away. Something needs to happen. So in that aspect, I disagree with. You know, not being able to punish uh, aggressive behaviors. I agree. You you shouldn't. If you show them aggressive behaviors, they will copy that. They will be the bully on the playground hitting other kids. But um, you know, still, you have to have a way to punish that isn't just sit down and discuss it. All right. Number two is respectful information, and she says that the word no builds up resistance. Quote: Proper use of objects when a child uses an object in a way other than what it is intended to be used, then again, their their turn is finished. But instead of saying no, you can use a not phrase. So in other words, she's saying, rather than say, no, don't do that, you should use a not phrase. And this is where I have issue with, is there really a difference here? Here's some of the phrases. She says, use not for touching, hitting, throwing, eating, etc. Say this when children are using objects in a way that are not intended to be used. Quote, a shoe is not for hitting. A truck is not for throwing. A crayon is not for eating. All right, is that really that much different than saying, no, don't do that? I, I don't see it. I mean, I don't see that coming across as being that different. She also said, I still don't see that as being that different. So uh, I think sometimes getting their attention, uh, <laughs> a hammer is not for hitting others in the head. Yeah, that that's no. 
you, you immediately say no, you get the hammer out of their hands and you stop it before somebody gets hurt. So yeah, the, the not phrases, uh, come on. I mean, that's silly. Um, trying to, to soften, to not say no. And I, I get it. Uh, I, I know there's a, a line of thought and I, I agree with some of the thinking that saying no over and over and over again, no, don't do that. No, don't do that. No, it just, for one thing, they, they stop listening. They'll just kind of tone it out if they hear it over and over again. But, uh, trying not to be negative, trying to be positive where you can. Sure. That makes sense. Uh, you know, I'm not a tree hugger, but you know, that, that makes sense to try to be positive, uh, uplifting, keep things positive. But, uh, the difference between saying, no, don't do that. And that's not for that. I, I really don't see the difference, but again, I was kind of just, you know, picking on this article pretty much. I'm not okay uh, that you should use this phrase in front of an action the child is currently doing, such as climbing a sofa or drawing on the wall. Quote, it's not okay to climb on the sofa. Quote, it's not okay to draw on the wall. You could also use the not for phrase saying sofas are not for climbing. Honestly, when I hear somebody say that, it's like, say what you mean. <laughs> sofas are not for climbing. Well, yeah, get off the sofa. I mean, maybe I'm just overreacting and maybe I'm just ingrained with that's the way it's supposed to be something a little more firm, but you know, sofas are not for climbing. It just seems like a, a wimpy way of saying, stop doing that. So, and again, I just don't see the big difference. Now, the third point she has here, I think is a very valid point, And I think it's, it's very useful. And that is to give them choices. Uh, you know, you don't want to just say, no, don't do that. You want to, or to tell them do this going to give them choices. If they're fighting, if they're resisting doing something, give something for them to, to possibly do. Give them a little control, something that reduces their resistance. And the example she gave that really hit home because it's something that my wife talked about when we were trying to give my three and a half year old medicine and, uh, you know, giving him choices was the way to get him to actually take his medicine. We said, okay, you need to take your medicine between now and the time you go to bed. When you take it is your choice. Do you want to take it now? Do you want to take it right before bath, right after bath? Do you want to take it with something? Give him a lot of different choices, but the, the bottom line is he has to take the medicine at some point before, you know, X time, before a set time, and he can choose when. And that seemed to work out pretty well. That, that gave him some choices. We weren't just saying take it. I mean, granted, with the medicine that he had uh, prior to the last dose, as I mentioned, we pretty much had to pin him on the floor to get him to take it, and that, that wasn't fun for anybody. Generally, I would go to to work wearing some of it, but, um, you know, giving him choices and just letting him know, I mean, again, but you have to be firm. You have to give an, an end time. And if he, if he gets that end time and he hasn't decided yet, which is the case a lot of times, a lot of times you're like, well, I'll take it now, you know, after this. And then when you get to after that, you know, I'll take it after bath and you get to after bath, like, no, I'll take it right before bed. And so you have to, to solidify and, and enforce that cutoff. But you know, I don't think telling him that, you know, medicine is for taking, <laughs> that's not going to cut it. So anyway. So, uh, and just to, to emphasize that a little, I think anywhere in life, whether you're dealing with kids, adults, anybody, giving someone options is going to get them more engaged. It's going to get them, uh, they're going to have a little skin in the game. So uh, a lot of times in, in dealing with people in, in business life, uh, rather than tell them, the way something is or the way it should be, ask them, ask them, uh, do you, Hey, uh, did you try this or 
do you want to do this? Or just a question. Anytime you can form a question that they respond to, then it's going to get them involved a little bit. They're going to, even if your question kind of narrows it down to just some options that you really want them to pick, uh, it, it still gives them the ability to to choose from options and to feel like they have a choice. Yeah. So great trick with kids, uh, especially when they don't see it coming. It's still something you can use for anybody. And again, and it's also, I guess, in some ways, it's it's a little little softer. Uh, telling somebody what to do is, is one thing. It can come across the wrong way. Asking them if they agree it's something that should be done or if they want to do it or, or you know, some of those types of things gets them more engaged and more involved. A few issues with some of this stuff. There is some good in it, um, some stuff I disagree with. And uh, again, and she even mentions in her article that a lot of people are so ingrained with the old way of doing it with the firm, stern, force your kids, tell them no, that kind of stuff, that it is hard for people to adjust. And I'm probably one of those people. I mean, that's that's the environment I grew up in. You were told, no, don't do that. And you were told, go do this. And uh, that's the way it was. I mean, it, but I do often wonder why it seems society is getting to the point that kids are more violent. I mean, kids seem to be more troubled. You seem to have more... Inc- All right, we're going we're gonna to stop there. It's kind of going off on off the rails. Um but yeah, I think that last point kind of uh, loops back around and throughout that article, just uh, what we had talked about earlier, the mean what you say, say what you mean, uh, you know, you've got to kind of stick, you got to walk the walk, the walk, talk the talk, uh, walk the talk, <laughs> all that stuff. So yeah, I mean, it's important to be direct. It's important to make sure that everything is clear. We've talked before about kids wanting structure and clarity. Um adults want structure and clarity. I mean, I think everyone enjoys having things uh, defined in a way that's very clear. Uh, No beating around the bush, no guessing. Um, That's just kind of wasted brain power. But yeah, being clear. And I think that's, you know, again, making statements that are really soft and trying to protect someone's feelings by saying things like that's not used for that isn't necessarily clear. Uh, The point may not come across in in a clear way. So being direct, being clear, it's important for the kids. Uh, It's important to make sure that we express what we want, that they understand what we want, and that, um, you know, let them express what they want or what they feel. And and you can give them choices, but again, generally you narrow those choices down to what you want anyway, or at least acceptable choices. Uh, And it's, you know, hitting people, that's not an acceptable choice. But talking about it or walking away or, you know, different ways to react to a situation. Uh, give them some choices. All right. Uh, this has run really long. I didn't expect this to go this long, but uh, interesting way of, uh, so basically, so you know, I am playing that show off of my iPhone onto the Bluetooth channel on the Rode Podcaster Pro. So um, I may try to do that a little more with the clips because then I can react to what I said back then more uh, in in real time, or at least pseudo real time. You're listening to this later. Anyway, you get the idea. I will stop rambling now. Thank you for listening. Uh, If you get a chance, please uh, give us a ranking or a rating on the the podcast player or directory that you use. Uh, Check us out, uh, like us, uh, tell a friend, uh, subscribe in multiple places, all those fun things. (laughs) We appreciate it very much. And uh, we meaning I. 
And if you get a chance, please drop me a line, daddycast at gmail.com. That's daddycast at gmail.com. And uh, if you put in the subject, daddycast rewind, subject, daddycast rewind, I will pick it right up to know that you are commenting on the show. But uh, outside of that, I'm again, I'm hoping to get back on track with these. Um, been really busy lately, but trying to get back on track and catch up a little bit and do a more than one show a week or one show every couple weeks and uh, try to get a few more out there. So that is my goal. That is what I'll try to do, especially be a rainy weekend. So I may have a chance to do the next episode pretty quick. But thanks again for listening. And uh, again, reach out, let me know uh, what you think. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.